understand your job and understand what's required. I mean, a passenger doesn't know that I'm doing those sums and it doesn't matter. They don't need to know. But what they do need to know is that I'm passionate and I love what I do. And that's the stuff I'm looking at when I'm flying an airplane and taking you safely. And the announcement tells you to look outside the window and you see the Helderberg and Table Mountain and Robben Island. It is beautiful. And I'm seeing it too, but I'm also running numbers. It's a, it's a game. It's, it's something that I'm working on all the way down. Today, I'm talking to Alex McPhail, who is an airline pilot in South Africa. Good morning, Alex. It's so lovely to meet you here on Zoom. It's nice to connect with you, Petra. Thank you. Yeah, so you are an airline pilot in South Africa. Mm-hmm. I'm also a Zoom aficionado like yourself, and it's wonderful to have this opportunity that uh, despite you being in Vienna and me being in Langebein, we can have a conversation about aviation and art. So uh, you have taken yeah. my interest already a moment ago. Okay. <laughs> but yes, airline, airline pilot uh, on my second career as an airline pilot and third career as a pilot, but uh, I'm sure we'll dig into it. Yeah. So first, I would love to know your story. On um, I, I always ask people um, was artists where did it start for you what was the inspiration so there must have been a time as a young boy where you had this fascination with flying and aviation well yeah it's interesting because I'm sitting in Langebaan with my father and mm-hmm. uh, you know when I was very small my folks split up and when I grew up in Cape Town for mom and my father and my stepmother moved to the UK for a period of time and it used to be every second weekend with dad. And then when they moved to the UK, it changed to once a year, we'd go and spend a, a bit of time. We've got an older sister as well. And she's 18 months older. So Nicola and I would jump on a plane. The first time I was seven, got on a British Airways flight from Cape Town to London. And unaccompanied my minors. And mom sent us off with our passports and our little travel kits. And off we went. And we were at the mercy of the cabin crew, but it was just this fascination and wonder for me to be on this big, beautiful machine that could take you across the skies through the night. And not only that, but you could push a button and someone would bring you a Coke and you could sleep on the floor and you could go to the cockpit and visit and see all the lights. And it was just a fascination and a wonder having experienced the the, the gift of flight as a passenger from such a young age. And that, that, that Nicola and I did this together unaccompanied. You know, she was my big sister. She was 17 months older. So she was nearly nine at the time. And I looked up to her and we, we traveled. And that went on for a couple of years in a row. And later it was South African Airways. We flew as well. And uh, so this would have been 1988, I think. 88 or 89 would have been the first trip. And then did several trips over the five years while my father and stepmother lived abroad. So that was the, the kickoff point. And it was, uh, you know, I've actually done some reflecting on that in this last few months. And um, years down the line, we'll get to it in the middle. But years down the line, I worked for South African Airways. And there was a chance, I don't know, but there was a chance that some of the people that I flew with were junior pilots at the time that flew me as a kid. And I got to oh, fly with these people in their 60s that may or may not have. I like to think that uh, somewhere along the line, we crossed paths. Well, it's um, amazing that you said that for you, there wasn't, um, it's not like your father was a pilot. So you had mm-hmm. this experience of just flying, that that experience mm-hmm. just um, triggered the love for aviation for you. But then when did you realize that you could um, become a pilot? Was it in your the back of your mind and, and that you sort of always had this wish? Yeah, I'm sure it must have been there all along, but I can't consciously think of a specific time other than getting to teenage years when you start thinking about what's next. I was always fascinated. Look, and going back to the story of travel, 
uh, it wasn't just the fascination of this wonderful, beautiful Queen of the Skies piece of machinery which transported you across the world, but but what was that other world? And it was so different. You'd go from winter in Cape Town to summer in England, and you know, the, and just a different experience and culture and language and food and you know the sights and smells. So that was already a door that opened for me to be able to experience and take in what it is to see different places and different people you know, in the environment as well, like to, to transport into a place and learn something new about it was fascinating. But then as I got to become a teenager, you start thinking I was always fairly good at mathematics and that was an interest of mine. Uh, I even started looking at potential careers, what, what I would study maybe at the University of Cape Town in mathematics and um, somehow the aviation bug came around again because by this time my, my parents had now come back from the UK, still living with my mom, and this is now the mid-90s in Cape Town. And it was now a time to explore. And yeah, it came across my path that you could become a pilot as a career. And I did some job shadow at Cape Town Airport with one of the airlines for a couple of days. And that was another little taster. And then for my 16th birthday, I was gifted a 30-minute introductory flight. Or it might even be 20 minutes, but certainly on the West Coast, flying a little Piper aircraft and flying up and down the beachfront at Bloberg. It was just, then that was it. I was done. So 16, having had that intro flight for 20 minutes or so, it was just enough for me to know that I need to do more of this. And then we looked around and thought, well, you know, what's the best place you could find for training? Where would you go and what do you want to do? And decided to apply to the Air Force. Luckily for me, I had uh, good enough marks at maths and the sciences, which is what was required at the time. And I won the genetic lottery with eyesight and the right height and arm length and things and went through the process of applying to the Air Force and was selected. That's amazing. But I think many young men or women, uh, they always have this thing, like you said, you were good in maths, um, that they already think, okay, you know, this is my weak point or maybe I, I wouldn't be able to do it. But uh, you just went for it. You just, was there ever a doubt in your mind? Well, you know, some some people may say overconfident. It's not something I haven't heard too often in my life. It, it's quite a common theme. So I, I, if I go for something, I go hard. And I, um, I am a bit, I'm calculated in my mind. But when you start hearing about it, it might be the first time you think you, you notice me saying something. But it's not the first time that I've thought about it. So by the time... A thought has germinated long enough and I've put together a bit of a, a piece of this puzzle that it could play out in a certain way. I'm already, you know, I'm already past the start line and I'm, I'm starting this race. And I generally am quite confident about things, but, uh, you know, it's not to say that they always work, but I like to give it a good go and I like to trust in my abilities and, and they don't always work. You know, lots of things don't work, but I'm a firm believer in you just start and uh, you don't have all the answers, but you, if you know what you want to do, then go after it and, things will either fall into place or quite quickly you'll realize this is not the right direction and you'll need to change. Mm. So that's, that's the way I've approached things in life. But this is also a career with a very long uh, journey. Um, journey sounds cliche, but it is really a journey that you guys go on um, because it's a long, it's a long process. So the training takes a long time and it's, it's a lot of hours of input and, um, so is it is that something that you think you really have to be dedicated to, to do that? Yeah, it's a funny one because I'm in a stage right now where I'm in a, a you know a potential transient point in my career now. 
up until this job, I've had two jobs. And for 20 plus years, I was in the Air Force and then I was in South African Airways. And those are just, you know, two long standing careers. But I can tell you at about year three or four in the Air Force, I started getting distracted by ideas of doing other things. And luckily for me, they didn't work out because I thoroughly enjoyed my time in the Air Force. And certainly the last three or four years were, I was describing this to a friend recently that just the sense of things getting better and better and better and almost this view of liftoff, like you can imagine a, a, you know, a graph that starts peaking towards the end. That's how I experienced my time in the Air Force, that it got better. Even though I was a little distracted in, after a year, two, three or four, I saw opportunities and took them. And the same was true again in the South African Airways. I mean, if they didn't go through what they went through recently, I would still be working there. Uh, it's no longer the same airline. But my last three or four years in the airline, Again, the, the this thing about things just getting better and better and my career taking off. So if I look forward and see 10 years into the future, I get a little bit anxious. I get a bit kind of claustrophobic and worried about uh, what path am I going down and what can I see at the end of that path? And is that so inspiring? And no, oftentimes it's not. But I just dial it back into today and say, well, what are the opportunities in front of me today? And what can I go after? Because I really do live uh, moment to moment in as much as enjoy each moment. This last couple of years has really taught us that life mm -hmm. isn't what we thought it was going to be. Lots of people and places have been turned on their heads and I quite enjoy doing handstands. So uh, this little run has been, <laughs> has been quite entertaining and fun for me. I mean, there's been lots of heartaches, but I'm seeing the joy and uh, really there's a lot of things to be thankful for, grateful for, and uh, I'm really just leaning into the moment. So when I do get too all consumed with what does 10 years look like from now, I just kind of dial it back to what does today look like? And you know, that's, that's, so yes, there's a, there is a long-term aspect to this career, but for me, it's got to be very well balanced to what do you enjoy today? And this is the challenge now that you have in South Africa because of South African Airways and um, many other airlines uh, went bankrupt and you have to sort of go in this, you you work on hours and you work on um, uh, achievements or uh, not achievements, but but you know you you work yourself up in an airline. It's not just that you can go from one airline to the other. You actually have to build yourself up. So um, is that also the challenge that you in South Africa have now? Sure, and that'll always be the challenge in the in the aviation game. Uh, there's two kind of types of airlines, you know, there's the legacy carriers, which is the old school, you know, TWA, British Airways, United Airlines, South African Airways, uh, Cathay Pacific, you know, those big brand names, KLM, Air France, Lufthansa, where you join at the bottom, you work your way up, you become a captain and you, you know, you have a long career, 20, 25, 30 years later, you've got a big pension and you've flown around the world in the biggest airplanes to the best cities. That's the kind of typical career path. And then there's the low cost carriers that have come in and shaken the market up the last 15, 20 years. Southwest, Ryanair, EasyJet, those kind of places where uh, it's a high turnover, low pay, high work, and um, it really does kind of mix up. The it's, it's a very different dynamic. For example, a small aeroplane, you could fly 737 and A320. I don't say it disparagingly, but they're smaller aircraft compared to the international aircraft. Uh, you could be a year or two and you could be a captain on those things. So I went to a legacy airline and it took a long time to be to become a captain. And in fact, I never reached it. So after 12 years, I was still never a captain. And now I'm starting again as a first officer at another airline and potentially starting again at another airline as a first officer. And that's one of those moments where I just dial it back to say, well, where's the joy today? 
because Shecht is a beautiful place. And uh, despite, you know, what tomorrow looks like, today looks amazing. And I really, uh, I mean, I think the reason we connected was probably a post or two on LinkedIn that you saw that resonated. Yeah. We spoke about artists and, uh, and passion. And I have a lot of passion for what I do. And it's not because I'm working very hard or tired or you know, crossing the country four times. It's because I get to cross the country four times. I get to see this amazing place. I get to fly in and out of Cape Town, one of the most spectacular departure arrivals in the world. I've been to a lot of countries. Cape Town remains one of the most spectacular places to come into land. We have a beautiful country. We've got wonderful crew who work with me. And the passengers are, you know, I think they feed off that too. If, if, you, if you're seemingly having a good day at work, Passengers are having a good day at work with you and to see happy people and it really is joyful. So I'm not getting lost in what is down the line. I'm getting, really getting lost in what is beautiful today. Well, this is interesting that you talk about it in that way because I was telling you also before that I can see absolutely a, a line between or, or a, a connection between pilots and or aviation and art and uh, musicians, for example, and people don't seem to get that uh, or understand where I'm coming from. I get but it. I can I get absolutely it. see, you know, the passion, the dedication, and also this, uh, you, you always speak to, to pilots and they connect, they talk about the passengers. And there's this connection between pilot and passengers also uh, that I find also between the musician and the, and the, the audience. And um, mm. and I think it's this thing where you say when you have a happy day, then your passengers as well. So it's this connection that you have when it, it, that's part of your job. Mm. Well, I love it. I mean, mm. I spent uh, many years flying on a cargo fleet at South African Airways, and it was wonderful because I had a small family and I, I didn't work very much. And even if I did, I'd go to work at midnight and be home by sunrise once or twice a week. So I, you know, freight only wants to move in one direction. It doesn't go up and down across the country several times like people do. So by nature, we flew at night and we didn't fly very often. And it gave me a great opportunity to spend with my boys. So changing, you know, spending the bulk of my time there, I, there was no passenger announcements. There's no passenger address. Then joining the international fleet, I was quite junior and, you know, the, the captain's prerogative to, to make announcements. So I haven't had a lot of experience with that, but certainly in the last couple of years, I've been running my podcast and 125 episodes in, it's been such a joy because it, it really has resonated with a lot of people. It's a passion project for me. And I, and I exactly like you, I, I try and find uh, the similarities and the correlation between my guest and what I do. Wonderful conversation with Sean Thompson, world champion surfer from 77. And we were comparing flying and takeoff and landing with launching into a wave and riding the barrel and sensation and focus. And I can remember having conversations with Honor Carstens and the Nude Girls and, and just how do you put things together and how do you build the teamwork? And there's a lot of beautiful things that do tie up. But I think the main thing that does tie up is the passion, is what is it that you're supremely focused on? And and that's the thing I'm trying to share with, with people that are all, all walks of life. And I do some LinkedIn training to just try and share the passion. And, and most often the response or the feedback I get from somebody is, well, that's cool because you're in aviation or fill in the blank, you're a musician, you're a whatever. But my job's boring. And no, it's not boring. You've got your own set of interests and passions. And what are those details that you can bring out that people can see you're passionate? So let me give you a little example. Of, I mean, aviation is wonderful too. But coming into land into Cape Town, I'm flying at whatever, 33,000 feet. 
Um, I need to plan my descent in my mind. I need to know what the descent looks like. There's a computer and it tells you everything. But from 33,000 feet, I need to be on left base at 3,000 feet. So I need to lose 30,000 feet and it takes you about uh, three miles per thousand feet. So that's 90 miles. But I've got a bit of a headwind, which will slow me down, which means I can go at 80 miles. And if I'm heavy, I might want to add another couple of miles. And if I need to accelerate, I need to add some track miles for that. If I need to decelerate, I need to add some track miles for that. So I do the sum in my head and I see that I'm, I need to start my descent at 82 miles. I look down at the box, the machine that tells me where my descent profile is running. And it says 83 miles. And I say to myself, great, I'm on the numbers here. I'm within a mile or two, which means is what I'm thinking I want to do and what the computer thinks I need to do is close. And then you have to adjust. So that's just like a detail that understand your job and understand what's required. I mean, a passenger doesn't know that I'm doing those sums and it doesn't matter. They don't need to know. But what they do need to know is that I'm passionate and I love what I do. And that's the stuff I'm looking at when I'm flying an airplane and taking you safely. And the announcement tells you to look outside the window and you see the Helderberg and Table Mountain and Robben Island. It is beautiful. And I'm seeing it too, but I'm also running numbers. It's a, it's a game. It's, it's something that I'm working on all the way down. So yes, lots of correlation between passengers and audience and musicians and pilots. And, and I think the, the correlation really is, are you passionate about what you do and how do you express that? But uh, it's also true that not everybody can be a pilot. Not everybody sure. has that. Yeah, yeah. So um, what what would you think is the, the skill set that you have to have? To be a pilot? Yeah. Well, so this is a tricky one because I do believe in learning. I'm a very big fan of Carol Dweck, Mindset. It's a great book and the whole process of uh, be a learner for life. Uh, every day is a school day and... You know, if you take on the approach that I need to learn things, I'm going to make mistakes and I need to improve. And if I fail at something, it doesn't mean that I'm bad or or, or uh, I'm an inferior person. It means I haven't learned it yet. So there's an opportunity to learn. So if you if you do well, it's not because you're great, it's because you did you worked hard. And if you do badly, it's not because you're bad, it's because you weren't prepared. So that's a central theme of my life. However, there are some particular skills that maybe are easier for some than others, and Maybe, you know, in the aviation game, sciences, maths, understanding your space, your, you know, your body, your, we're moving through the world in, you know, time and space and understanding, like I can point here and I know Cape Town's there and I know Saldana's there and I know Joburg's there. I have that view of the world all the time. It's like I'm sitting in Google Maps looking down at the earth every time I move around because it's 25 years of it now. So those kind of skills are very helpful to be a pilot and understanding numbers and science and energy and momentum and you know aerodynamics those are those are important skills so i mean i, I lost a little bit of track at the end of the question what would you say to someone who doesn't have the skills is that is that what you're trying to get at no i'm just trying to find uh, to 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 discuss that uh you know that you you have to have some sort of a talent as well you know to to be able to do this mm. makes you think of another book about the talent myth and uh you know, it, it comes really with, uh, with the, I, I don't know. Well, this is a debate. This is a, because of conversation, mm -hmm. Petra. So is it the talent that comes first or is it the passion that comes first? And what causes the passion? Where does the spark come from? For me mm -hmm. as a child, the spark was travel, see new things, but also the machinery, the beauty of that machine and the engines and the operations and the cockpit and the switches and the lights. If those things don't inspire you, then it's a very hard career to get into because it's a lot of work. It costs a lot of money. It takes a long time to get into an airline. And once you're there, it's hard work. It's hard in the family. You're going to do 
every six months for the rest of your life, you're going to do an exam and an interview and a quiz and a check ride to see if you're good enough to keep your current job for the rest of your life. There's not many jobs out there that are like that. And if you don't have the passion, you're not going to sustain it. It's just, you're going to be working through the night when everyone else is sleeping. You're going to be looking down on the beautiful sights of the world and seeing at three in the morning, all those city lights and everyone's asleep in bed, cozy, and you're at work. It's not enough to sustain you. So the passion has to be there because there's a lot of hard work and it takes a long time. Amazing answer. Because really, that's true. You have to, you know, if 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 you look at it that way, then then it is the enjoyment of the job um, that comes with a passion for it. And I believe that that yeah. everybody has that passion in them somewhere for something. So don't waste it on something that is draining you. I think we can all recognize when we are drained by something, and I think that's where COVID really has helped us. Is that. We can yeah. recognize things. It's like the pressure cooker has happened and you can recognize the bad and you can recognize how to get out and change things. And you can recognize the good that you took for granted and now bring more of that and change, you know, get less of that and bring more of this. But I really believe, like yourself, I mean, I'm not really sure what you were doing 10 years ago, but certainly you probably have a passion for what you're doing now. And it's an yeah. amazing thing. I mean, people that that uh, were out of a job and started making wood items and a bit of furniture or kitchenware stuff out of wood, you know, maybe they just find a new passion. And sure, not every job has the ability to make a lot of money, but it's not, that's not the only thing. Every day has got to be a good day. Bring the joy each day. And how can you live each day in the best possible way? So I'm, I'm, I'm a real fan of, of the habit and routine, not in a boring kind of methodical kind of way, but habit and routine enough to say that I know that after four days of not exercising, I'm going to start getting a little crabby. And after five, six days, I'm going to wonder what's going on. And I'm not going to realize it at the time. But looking back, I'm going to, oh, that's why I need to go for a run. I need to go to the gym. I need to go for a swim. So that kind of habit and routine, I know works for me. So build it into every day. And writing and communicating and interviewing people and, and my podcast is a passion. I know I need to keep that going because it's good for me. And when I have long breaks, there's something missing and something feels out of alignment. And I'm sure we can all resonate with that thought. And so what are those little things you can find in your life each day to build those habits to say, well, this I can't live without, and therefore I need to live with it every day. Yeah. Well, I agree with you there. And I think also uh, during the lockdown time, people had time to reflect and time mm. to think about what is important. Um, and yes, uh, I agree, you know, asking people about their lives and and hearing stories like this, you know, it's so inspirational as well. And and I love it. Uh, I love to hear and, and get inspired this way. But now, well, Alex, you said you didn't know what was ha going to happen in the next 10 years or so, but mm -hmm. what is the wish for you? I don't really know. But what I do know is that I need to strap in because it's about to get real because I just, I just have a sense of positivity and opportunity. And, and one thing that really has gone well for me in the last couple of years is seeing opportunities out there. We all see it all the time. Seeing it's the one thing, recognizing that it is an opportunity and then acting on it. And that goes back to the beginning. Well, you know, just act and figure it out as you go. Sometimes we get lost in all the details of everything. And, and actually, we need to not overthink, start. If, it, if it's in the line of business, you know, do you have a customer? Does somebody want what you're trying to sell? And if not, I think you need to rethink it. But yeah. if, you, if, if there is an interest in, in what you want to sell, then great. Then package it in a way that somebody wants it and make it at a price that will work 
and make some money out of it. So for me, I'm not sure what it is, but there's lots of opportunity. I won't stop flying and I won't stop my podcast, but there's there's a lot of things between those two points as well. And it does include uh, being all over the world at the same time because travel wow. remains important. Yeah, well, it's amazing. And, and I've recently been to South Africa and it's just amazing how positive people are uh, despite a lot of, you know, negative things happening and, and load shedding and, and um, you know, things like that. But mm. people have the sense of of um, hope and, and, you know, doing things and getting on with it. Mm. Yeah, resilience is a good one and uh, certainly if you if you learned nothing in COVID other than resilience then you would have done well yeah. and I think we are it's it's like the um, I think it was is a Darwin who talks about it you know the, the the gene that continues the the species that survives is ones that are adaptable and resilient so yeah we've seen that and uh, yeah leaning in hard to that long may it last yeah but now, Alex, I have one more question for you. And I, mm. I would like, you mentioned you waiting for your pizza, but uh, can you do a <laughs> shout out for your favorite restaurant or coffee shop? You're in Langebaan now. I'm in Langebaan. It is one of my favorite restaurants. Pearly's on the beach in Langebaan. We've been coming here for, I don't know how long, a long, 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 long time. Pearly's has been here a good 40 plus years. And uh, I, be, I learned to fly in Langebaan. And before that, I spent weekends in Langebaan. Uh, so, yeah, lovely. If you want, if you're in this part of the world, Pearly's on the beach. I'm on the beach sand right now, and uh, okay. about to go enjoy a Pearly's pizza. Okay, <laughs> I'll put their link in the description as well. Wonderful. Okay. Well, nice to chat to you, Petra. This has been it fun, and lovely. I think there's more to explore. Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for your time. And uh, I hope uh, to see you one day in in Vienna. Maybe you fly this way. You never know. You never know. Yeah. I'll, do, I'll yeah. definitely look you up. Let me know, yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Alex, have a lovely afternoon. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers, Petra.